Hello, and thank you for joining us for How Have You Not Seen, a movie podcast where we fill in the gaps in each other's cinematic knowledge by asking important questions like, you really never saw Pan's Labyrinth? Or, you never caught the Karate Kid? Or, how have you not seen Cabaret? again and thank you for joining us for how have you not seen i am your co-host caroline thompson i'm carson betts and this is how have you not seen a movie podcast where each week we pick one of our favorite movies that the other hasn't seen we talk about it then we go and watch the movie and then we talk about it some more it's gonna be a real good time oh yeah oh yeah it's gonna be a fun sexy time some might say yeah for at least the first half at least for the first half yeah because much like fascism that's how you get lulled in and then uh oh carson how have you not Mm. seen cabaret Mm. um uh that's a very good question i mean especially given that i've been in cabaret we both have all three of us. Corey, have, have you ever been? You've been in cabaret too. Yeah, I, I directed. Been. I've never been in. Okay, it. okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Yes. So, um, all three of us have done have been in three separate productions yes. of cabaret. So I am, which is familiar. weird. It is weird. <laughs> which is, is kind of weird. Y'all didn't see the the one that I did was at the undergrad that we all went to. Went to and let me tell you, that was a weird production. Um, but I, I mean, look, I, I've mentioned this a, a number of times that for being a theater kid, I'm very under watched in terms of my musicals right and hence why last year you thought the least witherspoon film legally blonde was a musical oh i forgot Um, that happened yeah how could you forget it was we put my jersey in the rafters after that one it was uh uh yeah so i mean it's one of those that I never, I just kind of never got around to it. Um, I, I have basically through you, I have heard like, no, this is the good. There are two cabaret films. No, think of something. No, it's been revised every time it's been revived. So there are multiple yeah. versions that aren't quite like the movie, one. but there's just one film. Maybe that is what I. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, but and so, there may be there may be like a like a like a release recording of like the 1998 one, but no, there's only one film. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I basically, and, and you know, that's the thing with movie musicals, which I think we've talked about not at length, but like movie musicals are so fucking hit or miss, you know, they really, correct. there is a thing that we will be talking about in our Oscars roundup because it was a weirdly big year for movie musicals. But, Speaking uh, of which, I just saw Cyrano last night for the first uh, time. Strangely kind Speaking of a musical, of, right? Speaking of movie musicals, not even movie musicals are fre- are frequently bad. Movie musicals are frequently very, very weird. weird yeah. Very strange <laughs> two pieces of culture. Well, put a pin in that. So tune in to our Patreon if you want to hear us talk about Cyrano, because we got to talk about that movie. Um, despite the fact that I don't think it's getting any, any nominations from me. Uh, but... Yeah, movie comes very just, close. It does. It does. It's like I have like best in show awards and it does have two of those. <laughs> it does have two of those. Um, so, yeah, it's just like they're so hit or miss. And I am not 
super big into the history of musicals and thus I don't know which ones are good necessarily. So I, I basically through you, Caroline, you're like, no, the cabaret movie is great. And I just, I have no. Okay. Well, yeah. that being said, forward. And, and this will be interesting because this is a movie musical that um, does differ from the stage show in some ways. So like, I'm very interested. I don't think I'm going to correct you on anything. Um, what do you know about cabaret? Okay. So. Uh, there was a nightclub in Berlin and there you was were dancing with Sally Bowles. And that is the beginning of the musical. Um, really the end of the wait. musical. That's the end, the end of the musical. musical. The end of the musical. Sorry. Sorry. Again, the one that I did was weird and we ended it weird. It didn't end that way, but I know that that is the way the soundtrack. Um, so those are the final lines, but there's generally anyway. Sorry, I just did it like six months ago. So. Yeah, you're you're pretty you're earned into my way skull. pressure on it. Um, Person, wait, were uh, you Cliff? So, sorry, I have to know. No, I um uh, uh frequently okay. So my my hello then, and welcome to our theater podcast. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, go go go. No, oh, it's because I I make sense as a Cliff, right? But I was actually, you very much make sense as a Cliff. Yes, I make a lot of sense as a Cliff. But I uh no, I was. At the time of the auditions for Cabaret, I was directing my senior thesis show. Uh, so I did that and then it finished and that musical had a ton of fucking people in it and like three of them dropped. So the director came to me and was like, hey, there's like three minor roles. Can you do it in two weeks? And I was like, how many lines do I have to learn? And he was like, oh, like five. And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. So I was I was like uh, I was the I was Max the owner of the nightclub okay was the role i was the most but he didn't speak he was just like in every scene in the nightclub i was uh what's the name of the guy rudy is his name the german soldier that, that uh, uh frau Co- or fraulein coast yes. has over yeah. yes yes i'm him and i was the taxi man uh which is a very small role one scene and it's just one visual uh great yeah yeah i just yeah. have to say i think that's very funny that you and I had the same exact experience with that same exact director at undergrad, which was, I was doing my senior thesis show and he came to me and was like, look, you play guitar. I desperately need, I desperately need somebody to play guitar through the entire show. Can you come in two weeks before we open and just be on stage the entire time playing guitar? And I was like, can I wear a cool twenties period costume? And he goes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I was like, sure, let's go. Yeah. I I fucking hated you for that show. I put so much effort into that. And you were everyone's favorite character. (laughs) Hey, gotta say, I would, I would do that show again in RB. That was so much fun. That was even acting. That was even acting. It was plumbing. Go. Oh my God. That's such a deep cut. Um, Yeah. So, so cabaret, Takes place in a nightclub, nightclub in uh, um, Berlin as the specter of Nazi era fascism is looming. Uh, it stars uh, Cliff fucking something. He is American. He's a journalist, right? Clifford Bradshaw. And yes. Yeah, Clifford Bradshaw is a journalist. And he is in here to do uh, journalism, I believe. And he goes Novelist. to this, Yeah, yeah but... he's like doing some writing. And he goes to this, to the Kit Kat Club. And they do all, most of the the musical elements of the muse of the show happen within the bounds of the Kit Kat Club as like in universe performances by the dancers, um, hosted by an MC 
who I, I, at this point in time, it was usually the character was cast as a man. And now it is, you know, whatever gender you want to do, that's a pretty, pretty fluid part. Um, and I, I very much look forward to the day when Corey directs a production of Cabaret in which you are Clifford and I am the MC. I would uh, love yes. that. No joke. That yep. would be great. There's yes. a 100% um, chance that will happen before we die. Absolutely. It might be when we're like 50 it, and like kind of gross. And it'll, like... Be in our, it'll be in a basement, but I don't give a shit. <laughs> it would be great. Um, and he falls in love with the star dancer at the club, Sally Bowles, who is portrayed by Liza Minnelli in this one. Correct. Yes, and... Uh, they begin a whirlwind romance. She is uh, not okay for most of the show. Um, and then basically the Nazis start clamping down. They got to get out of the place. Sally's like, no, I love this fucked up life. And isn't fascism bad? And then they, uh, and then, and then it's, it's very sad because she remains and he leaves. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. Yeah. I mean, pretty much it. Right? Um, yeah. yeah, and I mean, like, that's the thing is like, having all done the musical before we could all sit here and be like, well, this is what's in, like, I know everything that happens in the play. Does it happen in the movie? I don't know. Yeah. But like, do you know anything about like, just anything specifically about the film in terms of like who the director is, who some of like the notable like cast or crew is or anything like that? I think other than Liza, I don't think so. This is, is this, um, it's uh, um, the fucking, the musical of Chicago. Is it the Chicago musical in which the conceit of it is literally everything is a performance on stage? Or is this or is this the movie in which? No, that's Chicago. All of, that is Chicago. Okay, That's yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Okay. So. Or Chicago is closer to that, I should say. This, okay. this one is very much like there are scenes in yes. houses and there are outdoors yeah. and like, yeah. Oh, there's a lot a of the musical numbers are because it's in a nightclub. Yeah, because it's, it's in a cabaret, a lot of the musical yeah. numbers are like on stages, but Literal that's kind of like numbers. in world for the most part. Yeah. But no, but part. there are uh, because like Cliff's Cliff's uh, Cliff's landlady gets married, and that's a whole subplot, and they have songs together, and yeah, so, yeah. So there's like songs yeah. that take place not in the nightclub. Yeah, I think that's about. I mean, it's very based upon the images I've seen of just like the marketing materials. My guess is it's very grimy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, other than that, I think that's about it. I think that's all I know. Okay, well then, if that is all you know, are you yeah. um, ready to get into our little game? Oh, hell yeah, let's do it. Wonderful. So this week we are playing a classic on the show. We are going to do Two Truths and a Lie. Love it. Okay, okay, great. If you have never been to a corporate icebreaker seminar or summer camp um, yeah. or anything of that nature, the way True Truth and Lie works, exactly. Um, I think that's like actually, I've never used it, but I believe that's a thing on Hinge, it right? Like that's literally Hinge. like a, like a, like a, like a, like a, like a, like a thing you purposely add to your profile. It's the most consistent conversation going. It's the most consistently, let me tell you, as someone who's on a Hinge, it's the most consistently fucked up thing about Hinge because People will say some things that you're like, <laughs> I don't think you understand the point of this game. Ah, uh, because it's either like a horrible overshare or it's like, well, OK, that's a lie because that's just like not real. Like, no, your mom's not an alien. I don't think so. You know, whatever. 
Yeah. So if uh, if you are one of those people on Hinge who does not quite understand the purpose of this game, um, the way that this game works is that I have three statements in front of me, two of which are true. One of which is a is a dirty, dirty lie, Mm. Um, much like fascism. That's what Um, I was going to say. You beat me to the joke. And so, um, look, this podcast—it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're if you're not here mm-hmm. for that, I don't know what you are here for. Yeah. Um, and so, I'm going to read each of the three statements to Carson, and he is going to try to guess um, which one is the lie. Carson, are you ready? I am ready. Great. Fact number one: the romance between Fraulein Schneider and Herr Schultz was originally to be changed to a younger couple because studio executives said, "quote." Nobody wants to see old people kiss, end quote. It was not until director Bob Fosse threatened to leave the project that they relented and the script uh, went unchanged. Okay, so it's a, I believe it's a Fosse thing. That makes sense. That's great. Okay, keep going. Five songs from the original Broadway production are not performed in the film, but instead only appear as background music, including Don't Tell Mama and Couldn't Please Me More and Married. Okay. Uh, Fact number three, many of the interiors of the film were done on a recently vacated soundstage in Munich. The film that recently vacated them was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Whoa. Okay. Which was uh, a 1971 film. This film being 1972. Okay. I, number two, I think is true. Does that just sound like if, if I'm looking at that musical and I'm like, all right, we got to cut time. Like, which numbers do we need to just axe? You don't do married. Don't tell mom is so fun, but it's also the least necessary of the cabaret numbers. Um, so that one, I, that one I think is true. Because uh, the first, okay, so I'm going back and forth because the first one, <laughs> they don't want to see old people kiss as a quote is so fucking like blatant well also, and again again yes. these these facts yeah, are pulled yeah, from imdb sure. yeah, so like so how sure. reliable they are how mythologized they are yeah i would assume that quote is you know what somebody on imdb is typing up but yes okay correct but, and also the serendipity of it being willy wonka in the chocolate factory is just hilarious and they would have shot that in munich i don't know i i okay I'm going to say three's a lie because I don't believe that they shot Willy Wonka. Excuse me. I just burped in Munich. Excellent. Are you locking in fact number three? Lock it in. Great. And I very rarely bring this game. Do I say it now or do I say it after the break? Hey, whatever you want to do. I think it's normally now, but yeah, we can do it however you want. want. Great. Well, then if that is the case, Mm. Carson, Mm. I think maybe... Even though there are a few back halves of episodes we have not yet recorded, so maybe there is still time. But I think maybe for the first time in 2022, I have bested you I in a it. game. No, I knew it. I was like, <laughs> don't want to see old people kiss. It's a very Caroline thing to say. That's like, that's, that's ah, like, so, as soon as you said that, I was like, that's coming out of her mouth. I know it. So, yeah, whatever. Um, the, the sound stages in this film were previously used by Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Cool. Those five songs, those three songs plus two additionals were removed from the film. Oh, they and, added um, fucking, uh, 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 what's the song that got added to this musical because Liza Minnelli? 
I was singing it the other day as I was, um, oh, is it maybe this time? Did they add the song? <laughs> I don't know if that was no, added for the movie. It. I mean, um, perhaps. My thing is, I, I'm not familiar enough with the original 70s production sure. of Cabaret. I really only yeah. know the, the, the 99 yeah. or the 98 yeah. revision of it. Yeah. Um, so egg on my face. But yes, that mm. is like her big number. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, so the lie was that the romance between Fraulein Schneider and Herr Schultz, however, what I will say mm-hmm. is the lie of that was that Bob Fosse pr- uh, protested and it went unchanged. The oh. true bit of that is that they did change it from an older couple to a younger couple of uh, Sally and Cliff's peers. And it is That's not his landlady. Really weird. It is such a strange, it is such a strange decision. And so my, my thing is, yes, the quote, because nobody wants to see old people kiss is, is a Caroline ism. That is from me. However, that is kind of the logic I assume was behind that. Probably. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. All right. Well, so it is, it is a very strange it is a very strange adjustment to this. I'm interested to see how that plays out because that is odd. Very odd. Well, with that having been said, then, yeah. are you ready to go oh, and yeah. watch Cabaret? Oh, yeah. I'm excited for this one. I'm really Wonderful. excited for this one. Hell yeah. Well, in that case, we are going to go take a little break. We are going to watch the movie and we will see you guys in just a moment after we've watched Cabaret. Welcome and bienvenue. Welcome. Friende, attaché, stranger. That is the proper way to open this. I was going to say, I used to have a girlfriend known as Carson who got Aww. convicted several times for arson. Aww. But that's not very funny. <laughs> that just rhymes. That does just rhyme. You're going to die in a fire like me. I don't know. I couldn't think of any other words that rhyme with your name other than arson. So Yeah, it's a, a frequent rhyme in my life. Uh, so, uh, this movie is haunting and exciting and it fucking slaps and rips and all those, all All those those fun verbs, all those things. I, uh, immediately after finishing it, texted our group chat, just all caps, like, Hey, that one sure punches you right in the face, huh? And Caroline, you're just like, yep. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome to the club. (laughs) Here it is. Das Kit Kat Club. Das Kit Kat Club. Club. And uh, guess what? That movie's never going to leave my brain now. Um, So I do want to, I think right up top, I do think we need to discuss the fact that we spent a good deal of the first half talking about how we've all been in various productions of this. We all know the, you know, the musical fairly well. Uh, I was not ready for just how different this movie was going to be. Yeah. From the musical. Yes. Just how like it it is almost like I, I, I hate to say like it's almost an entirely different work because it is obviously it shares characters and songs and several themes with the stage musical, but it feels so distinct. I would throw some weight behind that sentence as yeah. well. I definitely had that thought while yeah. watching it. Absolutely. Um I mean, we discussed in the first half a few of the songs that are missing, obviously. And but on top of that, I mean, I think I mentioned the fact 
that I mean, there are no non-diegetic songs in this in this ostensible musical. Like it's all stuff that happens in the Kit Kat, Kit Kat Club. So like everything, yes, with else. the exception of "Tomorrow Belongs to Me." Yes, yes, but but it was also that's a diegetic. Yeah. It was also diegetic. diegetic. Yeah, yeah I was just but not in the club. Absolutely. Very um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I I just I don't even know how to begin really trying to wrap my arms around this thing because it feels like such. There is so much like art going on here and there's so much texture and so much, so many layers of meaning that like, I feel like I need to watch it like four more times. It's one of those movies. It's also such a dream movie, you know, it's like such a, as the kids would say, it's such a vibe, but like, yes, it's yeah. truly such a vibe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, like, I think Carson, um, one thing I want to and this might lead us in in the right direction, but like you you mentioned that like all of the songs are diegetic, uh-huh. and yet like they yeah you know, yeah because because there's there's that whole thing there is that whole thing where it's like well what makes a musical versus just a movie in which there is music, music and it's like you know like the school of rock great fucking movie love that movie not um, no, just not a musical yeah not like, a musical. it is it is a it is a film in which um music the main happens. cast of characters perform several songs yeah but which like ostensibly is what this is too but like the way like especially the way that like they play with like how the theater how these songs yeah. work in a theater and how that and what that means to mm-hmm. be doing pieces in a theater yeah. and then they they are making they they are ostensibly making an expressionist film about what it's like to perform live what it's like and to because perform live and what it, it's like to witness a live performance at yes, the same time and, yes and and in doing so it adds this very like dream like very almost non-diegetic quality yes like an express an expression to the filmmaking mm-hmm. yeah. that then kind of wraps it back around into being a, a musical again yeah yeah and like part of that <laughs> no i was so because look i mean i'll be honest i didn't like this is, I, I described this as it's my thing with Little Women, the way that watching that movie, I didn't realize how invested I was it until like I got to a point and then I was like, oh my God, which is, I, I had that majorly with this movie. I was watching it. I'm like, okay, these are things I can appreciate, but like, I'm kind of like, wait, this is different. This is odd. What's going on here? And then eventually it got to the point where everything clicked and I was like, and now in retrospect, thinking about the thing, I'm like, oh my God, that was such a every choice was such a uh, was was of a piece like everything yeah. needed to happen to make every moment work and so much of that is i think the way that the thing starts that your introduction to the film is um i mean it's just like sounds and colors and shapes and it, it it feels and literally sounds very much like the thing that you experience when you witness a musical live and it's one of my favorite parts of seeing musical live is right before everything starts and the orchestra is tuning and warming up. And there's oh, yeah. all this cacophony and all this like dissonant sound. And then at some point, it all just starts to coalesce into the actual, um, like the actual lead song of the show. Like at some point, the tuning stops. And sometimes it's very abrupt, but oftentimes it's kind of slowly as everyone's getting in, the, in together, it takes shape. And then suddenly you're listening to the overture of the musical. And that's how this movie starts 
it starts with that and then the close-up image of the MC, not necessarily welcoming the members, you know, the, the people that are witnessing the show at the Kit Kat Club, but like welcoming the audience of the movie. And it's it's so it's such an odd tenor to start with, but it it does feel it does instill you in you the feeling of you are watching a live performance. Yes, and it is it is a thing that I am not sure if this movie starts that, mm-hmm. um, but like it is a thing that um, has been oft copied. Mm-hmm. And never, never replicated. I would no, say yeah. it's a, I feel like so many films about the theater uh, or have some, or even have some kind of framing device of the theater start with that. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, fucking Moulin Rouge does it. Yes. yes. And like Moulin Rouge is like a totally different yes. beast, but it's yes. like when you watch yeah. Moulin Rouge, you're not like, there isn't that foreboding sense of like, ooh, this is the sound you hear when something's about to happen. Yeah. Which is like kind of how this movie, I mean, th- that's what Cabaret is, right? Yeah. Cabaret, the entire is Is there something Cabaret, about to happen? Uh, yeah, yeah the uh-huh. entire, the entirety of Cabaret as a work of art is, Cabaret is, this is what it sounds like when something's about to happen. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And like, you know, uh, so many films copy that like Moulin Rouge starts with like the maestro like queuing mm-hmm. up the orchestra and that is the cutesy like oh because they're actors like or they're performers um so like th- th- much of this movie is theatrical and therefore we are going to have this cute theatrical opening where like cabaret is like cabaret is all about that tense silence right before shit hits the fan yes yes and, uh, or, or it's the Kenneth Branagh um, um, Henry V, in which it starts with the opening monologue, but it's delivered by someone who's walking around a film set. It's like, and now we're going to introduce you to the film, but we're using Shakespeare's language, you know? And, uh, okay, can I just, can I read my Letterboxd review? Can we yes. do the portion of the, the podcast where we <laughs> repeat our Letterboxd reviews? We should have like a little sound that plays when that happens. Um, because I just want to see if this hits, because I, I wrote it at the time. I'm like, the only like, so I wrote the only metaphor that I can assign to this movie is that it feels like 2 a.m. You should have gone to sleep at 11, but you know you won't until four. And that feels like a very personal, kind of small and silly as follows metaphors for the looming specter of fascism go. But this movie's pretty personal and silly too. And like, th- this thing does feel like to me, it's like, okay, it's not necessarily the end of something because it's difficult to say that anything has ended and it's not the beginning of something because nothing has really began yet, but it's about to be both of those things. And both of those things are about to happen way faster than anyone intends them to correct anticipate that they're about to correct. And it is uh, terrifying. So, Oh God, how do we talk about this? Okay. So initially, I mean, obviously the thing to me that is the most, different about this movie compared to the um the stage musical right off the bat is that like uh cliff not a character <laughs> it's this other guy his name is brian he's british um and that was the point in the movie because it starts the same way it's him arriving on the train much like right cliff does. yeah no you're right in my brain this guy's yeah. name is in my brain michael york plays uh cliff but you're no. correct yes no. yeah he pl- well, plays yeah. clifford bradshaw in my brain i'm like yeah. oh yeah and then in the movie cliff does this but like yeah. yes it's not they changed the name and he's English instead of American. Yes, he's English instead of American. Um, all the, I mean, look, I mean, let's, let, you want to talk about 
<laughs> the beginning of this movie, I was like, oh man, here's some queer subtext. And then by the end of the movie, I was like, oh, nope, there's some queer text. It's just yeah. Uh, yeah. there. That's I wouldn't the say thing. there's some queer text. I would say, oh, this is a queer text. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like the, I, I just, once it then reaches the scene in which Sally Bowles is um, um, trying to seduce him for the first time, seducing Brian, a character who is, it's not just that like this movie's version of Cliff is named Brian and he's British. This is a completely different character. It is not the same guy really at all. Um, the first scene in which she tries to seduce him, I am just watching it going, what the hell is this thing even? What is going on? I have never really seen uh, like a sex scene or like an intimate scene between two people in a movie that is going quite like this before. And it's and then that is the beginning of the the core relationship of this movie between those two characters that is just endlessly fascinating and so complex and like it it clearly borrows things from the stage musical. I mean, I think the thing that survives the adaptation the best is probably Sally. Like Sally is basically the same character between Definitely. the two. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the relationship that she has with Brian in this movie compared to the relationship that she has with Cliff in the stage musical is just utterly distinct and the relationship with Brian is way more interesting and the, and the film gets like way more legs out of just exploring it from various angles um uh yeah this thing is very exciting so trying to think how do we how I do we, can can I jump go, in go and, for and it, put, put like my musical theater yes on please, for a second please. And I'm, I'm just gonna spit some stuff out and I think it might have some some substance for conversation so my biggest takeaway, you know, I, I haven't actually logged this in Letterboxd yet, but my review, I think, is going to be, uh, I wish I could have watched this movie without having worked on the musical, because mm. in particular, worked on the musical in 2017, because mm. the biggest difference that I see, and I don't know the original version, there are like three different versions you can license, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. The version of Cabaret that most people do now is eponymous with the 19 i think i'm using that word correctly it, with the 1998 version directed by i think sam mendez maybe sam mendez yeah yeah the alan cumming sam mendez one yeah, yeah. <laughs> where everything's dirtier everyone's a lot uh, everyone's a lot more naked it's a lot yeah. more gritty and sexy and um i appreciate this movie for what it is doing when it was made and I think standalone, it works really well. Yeah. I think that it's a clunkier vert. I shouldn't even say that. I, so I, before we, before we hung up the, on, on our last call, I said, I got some yeah. spicy cabaret takes. And yes. I think it mostly revolves around the song cabaret, uh, which mm. was written for this movie. It was written for Liza Minnelli and it showcases every single thing that Liza Minnelli does well. Mm -hmm. It is beautiful. The performance of it in this song or in this movie works wonders i think that the way that song is performed in this movie summarizes most of my kind of like huh with it in that it's truly like a show off here is sally's last big like last big number and i think the way that sh that number functions in the stage show today and i think the way it fits into the story the best is it's not sally at her highest it's sally at her lowest and in the in the show, at least when I did it, it was she basically walks on stage right after having gotten the abortion, still wearing uh, not wearing the fur coat, but she walks on stage after having gotten the abortion and does this song. And I it's hard to describe Liza's 
performance of that song in this movie as happy because then it yeah. adds to Nazis. And I don't think that's the case. Yes. Uh, I don't think it's happy, but it felt, it felt more optimistic than uh, I, I think it needs to or, or should. Um, and I have a lot of trouble just, just continuing to describe things as like gritty or down to earth because I think that's kind of yeah. a bullshit summation that doesn't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. But that is kind of where I am at with this is I think some of the some of the changes that were made in 98 that have influenced most of the productions today do it a lot of favors in a way that I was very fascinated by. I still liked it. Yeah. I still thought it was a beautiful film. That yeah. was really good. Um, I just didn't like it as much. Well, I know, okay. and and I hear that. Um, can yeah. I offer? Can I offer a rebuttal? Yes. Um. So the way that I take it, because Corey, I do think you're right. I think that um. Because again, and this song did not exist before this film, yeah. so it's like it's like it was then retrofitted to be in the stage musical, which, like, let's be clear, I think is a very good choice. I it's love good this song. fucking song. Right. It's a good fucking song. It's an incredible song. fucking yeah. song. And um, so I think that like where it rests in the musical now, like in the modern, like, hey, the local like whatever the local community theater, the local regional theater, whatever uh, is doing cabaret. Like we're going to go down and see it. Um, Like where it sits in that text is exactly what you're talking about, where it's like the whole idea is, um, you know, Sally just had, you know, Sally is at her lowest and let's watch her seconds after, um, you know, seconds after everything is bad, you know, uh, sing the song. And like, it's, I think a lot of folks nowadays do it as like an all is lost moment. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, look at this poor deluded woman who was like still desperately trying to like cling on to some kind of semblance of whatever she thinks she had. And I, I, I think that's what they're doing in this movie. I just think it's done a little bit differently. I think in the stage musical nowadays, you make it very showy in that you make, you make it that, um, you know, you, you make the actor playing Sally like, okay. And then like really be about to break down as you're going yeah. through this, like, really, yeah. really show yourself keeping it get, together at the seams. Get to, I'm going to go like Elsie and just start like hear the shake in her voice when she gets to that part. Exactly. Of it, you know? Yeah. And, and I think with this, like it's, I think it is less of like a, we need to show that she is breaking Mm -hmm. and more a, like, we all know what's about to happen because we, as the audience and the the film uh, takes a lot of, a lot of the meaning of the film comes from, comes from like almost implicating the audience, you know, Mm -hmm. It, it, it very much, they are playing with the idea of like, this is a film that you are watching. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, in the same way that like, this is a, a cabaret show that these people are watching, these people are partaking in. And so I think that like, it is less of a, let's show Sally as a person breaking down in more of a, every good thing in this woman's life just ended. Mm-hmm. And we know 
as the audience that like some of the last things we saw are fucking Nazis coming into the club. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, and she is, she has determined I am going to move on and I am going to keep doing exactly what I'm doing as if this isn't happening. Yes. And I think it is less of a, like, let's show like, let's show the state of mind that Sally is in. Like, let us, let's like take a look inside Sally's head moment yeah. and mm-hmm. more of a, like, Sally as a metaphor for what, like, all of these people are about to fucking do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that, that's that's my rebuttal. I hear what you're saying, Gord, because I do yes. think it is played, like, you know, I do think it is played a little more optimistically than people are doing it now. And I think that, the idea of that is not to show, you know, oh, look at like poor Sally. Like she's actually in the gutter, uh, but she's trying so hard to, um, you know, she's trying so hard to act like she's not, which is how a lot of productions do it nowadays, which is fine. Like, I think that's yeah. a fine way to do it. Whereas this is, oh, look at poor Sally. She's in the gutter and either she doesn't know it, like either she just doesn't fucking know it or like mm-hmm. she refuses to believe it it's not yes. even that she knows and she's trying to yeah um like trying to talk herself out of it it's like the poor thing doesn't even know yeah like, and like this this i mean this movie is so it, it lives in the sort of contradictions of human behavior and human relationships really well like that that is so what this thing's on and like I feel like that final number also, in some ways, it's a reiteration of something that we basically got in her last couple scenes with Brian, where it's that Sally, Sally kind of, I, I don't know, my read of it, it probably changed every time I watch it, but like my read of it is like, Sally knows what she's doing. Like she, she yeah. makes, she's making these choices. Is she making them kind of lightly? Maybe, but she has made the choices and she is affirmed in her own choices. And like, this song's just a reiteration of her being like, yeah, I'm going to die in the gutter. That's, that's my that's thing. That's yeah. my fucking life. <laughs> that is, that is you. The first minute you see me in this, in the film, if you see Sally Bowles and you don't immediately clock, like this woman's got some issues and she's probably, you know, just like sprinting towards self-destruction. And you know, it, it's, and like the movie's like, yeah, a man and a baby can't fix that in her. She can't really fix that in her. It's just she's affirmed in her own life choices and she's running towards destruction. And also, she's a fucking metaphor for like liberal democracy in, we- in Weimar Republic Germany. Like also, yes, yes. you know, and, like. Yeah, and, and I think too, like, I think it's, I think that this film, I don't even want to say suffers because I don't sure. think it suffers, but I think no. that like, the modern interpretation, Corey, I think you're right, can be a little bit mixed on it because of um, because of like how it has been done so many times since then. Yeah. And I think that like, because the song is original to this show, like this is the, or to this film, like this is the first time anybody's seeing it. Yeah. And it really is that like, I mean, the whole beauty of the song, um, like, I think that a lot of people do it nowadays. I mean, the entire song is, you know, I used to have a girlfriend known as Elsie. Uh, she fucking died and everyone was like, wow, what a piece of shit. And I said, that's yeah. the happiest corpse I've <laughs> ever seen. Sounds great. Yeah. Seems like, like a good I way think, to go. I think that a lot of, I think a lot of people nowadays 
choose to interpret that as like, you know, Sally's hip. She's wise to Mm -hmm. what's going on. And she just knows that this is the life for her. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, she get like, she kind of gets it and like, it's sad or whatever, but like she gets it. And I think that like the way they're doing it here, which like, Mm -hmm. and again, like the beauty of theater, the beauty of live performance, the beauty of publishing scripts and then having people all across the country, all across the world do it is you get to play with it. Yeah. It's like the only reason anybody goes to see Shakespeare anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, no, no, no. I don't need to know what happens in the Tempest. Like I read yes. that in high school. Like I know yeah. what happens yeah. in the Tempest. I want to see like how they're choosing to do it at this theater that I know. Yeah. yeah. And so like, that's the beauty of published theater. Um, yeah. But I think that, the thing that they are going for in this film is like, you know, um, Sally is like, I saw my best friend like coked and drugged out of her mind and mm-hmm. so drunk that she died. And that fucking rules. Yeah. And like, I think that like, you're supposed to have that thing of like, oh my God, like, yeah. Like, you know, the, the, the reaction it's going for is not like, oh, she understands what's going on. And it's like, oh my, that's how this person thinks like that. Like the, the, the juxtaposition between the text and her performance of it is supposed to be the unsettling thing where I think in a lot of modern interpretations, they will do it as like, oh, Sally can see this tragedy coming from a mile away and she's just accepting her fate yeah as opposed to this version, which it's like, it's like, does she really believe that? Like that's, yeah. like, she thinks that's a good thing. Like, mm-hmm. oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And like the, I, I appreciate hugely this film's treatment of Sally Bowles as a character. And it's all, just generally, and I think it's something that like a lot of modern audiences, especially modern audiences like, like me and like us who have seen the, who have seen the show and like know what it's about and might kind of struggle with, which is that like Sally, there's kind of one of two ways I feel like you you want to do it in a modern era, which is either Sally is a fucking girl boss. She is, you know, like hashtag, like hashtag, like hashtag sex goals, po- sex positive, hashtag degenerate, hashtag like, you know, you can't, you know, no one can judge me. Hashtag God, yeah. only God can judge me. Like she's just kind of like a, a fly by night, like flighty bitch. And like, that's cool. Or you can do it like, she is a symbol of the disruption of the social order. She is self-destructive and also just destructive to everyone around her. And therefore she needs to be punished so that we can all learn a lesson about the kind of way you should live your life. And like this movie doesn't really want to do either of those things. It yeah. wants to sit in the uncomfortable middle between the two and be like, look, I can't like you as an audience, you come to what you think your judgment of Sally Bowles is and you wrestle with that yourself and find out what that means in your own mind, in your own life. But like, we're also like, we're not interested in judging this woman or like making her pay some kind of price for the way she chooses to live her life. But also we're not going to present the way that she chooses to live as in any way healthy or good because it's not like, right. And it can, and it can go between those two extremes in, I think a very compelling way. Yeah, because just like sometimes, because like, whoa, spoiler alert, sex workers are people. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not a yeah. wild thing to wrap, your, and like, to wrap your noggin around. And like all people, including women, because women are people, have very complex I don't know about that lives. one person. You, you might oh, want to well, know. It's a that. bit of a spicy. Wait, let me, let, me get, wait, let me get out my ally ninjutsu headband. There we go. Uh, that one. 
call that's back. ladies and gentlemen that's what we call a callback call back. <laughs> um but but yeah it's this movie's about how like people are messy and complex and weird and they don't like really yeah. stick to any kind of predetermined path in life and like that is pretty antithetical to fascism and like you don't this movie doesn't need to like spend time really making that point the ought you, you can understand that that's what it's going for yeah um because the nazis are what the nazis are and we all recognize what the nazis are you know yeah but this movie spends a lot of time being all the characters this movie spend a lot of time just being like yeah the nazis i don't know a bunch of yahoos down the street i don't really yeah i don't really no, think they're I going mean, anywhere yeah uh, that's which like, is uh, uh hey that's what uh the the the, the 2020s have been doing to um the proud boys and the fucking like uh, just all these fucking all these fuckers I, I was like oh them they're just they're crazy and it's like yes they're crazy that's, like that's, that's the problem that's like the i agree issue. they are crazy i agree and people seem to be paying attention that's the that's the fucking <laughs> problem yeah no this is uh this podcast every five weeks just becomes we yell about the looming specter of fascism for 20 minutes but like that's what this movie's about you kind of you can't not do it you can't not you yeah. can't not do it let okay so i also then texted that the tomorrow belongs to me scene is i think the scariest thing i've ever seen on film like scary I, and i'm you know we've said it a lot i'm not a horror boy i don't watch a lot of horror films but like scarier than any horror i've ever seen scarier than any thriller i've ever seen the the buildup of it is terrifying. And by yeah. the time it gets to the end and they are running away, like they're driving away and you get that interaction between uh, Brian and what's his name? Max. Is it Max? Rich guy. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Brian's like, Hey, that was terrifying. Seems like a problem. And he's like, nah, we got it under control. And he's like, who's we? And he's like, yeah, the German people. And like, he doesn't have to say the thing. The movie just implies it. But the next question there is like, Hey dude, that was the German people right there. You just drove away from them. Like, that's the problem is that they th they think they're the German people and maybe they're kind of right. Like, they've at least claimed that title for themselves. Like, so that thing is terrifying. That is also indicative of just like the way that fucking uh, Fosse shoots these things. All the, yeah. all the musical scenes are from these odd angles, obscured by people. Sometimes people aren't really ever in frame. Like all the dance numbers in particular are, are like so, and I mean, I, I heaped a lot of praise on West Side Story, rightly so, but like so antithetical to like most great movie musicals in that there's like no wide shots, like yeah. not a lot of like long takes comparatively to a lot of other movie musicals. It's these very odd stilted kind of sideways angles. And you just see people like, the dance moves are already a lot of people orienting their bodies in weird kind of fucked up looking ways. And then when you add like a canted angle, like camera to that, it they just look like dolls. They don't look like real people for so much of it. Yeah. You know, and, and it mean, does that with Tomorrow Belongs to Me. And yes. And I mean, the editing within the mm -hmm. musical sequences in particular is like, it is one of those things, like this is one of those films that, um, I watch and I'm just like, this is how you should do a movie musical. Yeah. And then it's like, how? And it's like, well, like Cabaret does it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's like, I can't really tell you. Like, it's really hard to put your finger yeah. on like, especially how they edit together, like the musical sequences. But it's just, it is that thing of like, they have somehow, it's a thing that every musical, every mu movie musical struggles with is it's like, 
if you do it straight up like a piece of theater, you lose everything that's propelling about film Mm -hmm. and uh, it's boring and it just doesn't work. And then if you, you know, if you go the other route, if you go the Les Mis route, you know, Mm -hmm. it's um, if you go the Dear Evan Hansen route, it's like, oh, no, no, no. We're getting rid of anything even mildly theatrical. Like this is a capital F film. It's like this was not written to be a film. Like you can't just like like people who write these things, write them with the conventions of the medium in mind. And you can't just take a musical theater script and shoot it like a film because it's not structured like a film. It's not written to go together like a film. And it is kind of that just like unspeakable quality of this movie that like it uses the art of cinema to so capture um, what we were talking about earlier, like that, that feeling of live performance and it does it through its camera work and through its editing, but also through having really well done live performance. That yeah. like when you take what's interesting about live performance, add what's interesting about film, and like can use both of those mediums interchangeably yeah. to where they don't cr- clash with one another. Like that's what every movie musical should be. And I can't really explain that more than like, well, like how Bob Fosse does it in Cabaret. <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's like, hey, look at the way Fosse's doing it. Hey, like, you know, the way that like Bob Fosse put a camera behind a dude in the audience, the Kit Kat Club, and then you see like two women do a weird dance move and it's just like good. Like it's just, it hits your brain in a way that's cool. Hey, watch West Side Story. You see the way that like Steven Spielberg pulls to a wide and then like three women in colorful dresses like tap dance by in unison and it's just like good and it hits your brain, right? Like that, yes. like that yeah. thing. I, I Okay, so this is a good launching out point for like two things. One, I think we got to go through some of the numbers and just kind of talk about them a little bit. But also Please. first, as you were talking before earlier, Caroline, about like the way this thing is like, I am, I am very confirmed. Like, yes, this is a movie musical, capital M, capital M, but it is a very odd movie musical. It does kind of almost feel like something like a La La Land or a Cyrano where, or like Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny or like School of Rock, where it's just like, this is a movie with music in it. The thing that always like defines what a musical is for me is that like, a musical, the, the thing that like makes that genre is that like when characters have really intense emotions and like the way in a normal drama when characters have really intense emotions, they would start to like yell or cry or, you know, tear their clothes or whatever about it. Instead, they break into song and like the, the emotion is so intense that it can only be held through the music, through the media of music. And like, that's what a musical is. And like, to me, that's why like, I don't know. I liked Cyrano. I thought it was weird, but like, I can't really classify that thing as a musical because like, there's a lot of scenes in it where in a traditional musical, you would put a number in that scene and it's not there. It's just like, there were some songs and they kind of match the thing. So we're going to put them in there. Yeah. In this, the music always comes out of either it is about something that is about to happen or it is the last scene got so intense or got so specific or got so broad emotionally that the only way that we could comment on it was by then cutting to a musical number. Like, and that's yeah. the only way we can express it. Like words can't do it. You need music to do it. Um, and that's why to me, this is, this thing's a movie. Musical. Um, that being said, what do y'all think of um, maybe this time? Um, it's good and we like it and we stand. Okay. 
I, I like it. I, yeah, I, I like the song a lot. I, um, it was another one that I think where it, where it sits in the movie, um, mm. felt, uh, wonky to me. Uh, but I, I like it. And I think it, I think the song works very well. Okay. I, cause here's my thing with it. And I'm like, I'm struggling about it right now. And I'm like interested to see Caroline, especially having watched this a little bit, like what you kind of think of its place within the course of the film. Is that like, I, one, I just don't really like that song. I don't love it in the stage play. I don't, I just kind of don't like it um, compared to all the other ones. And then like two, after, let me look at the song list. After like them doing, you know, Vilkamin and Mine Hair and like, um, like all that stuff, like after that and then cutting to, well, this song is just Sally Bowles alone on stage singing basically motionless. And just like doing a very normal kind of um, Broadway ballad. I was like, oh, this is kind of boring comparatively to all the other musical numbers. And then, but now as I'm kind of thinking about it in retrospect, I'm like, yeah, but that kind of matches Sally's feelings about relationships. So like, maybe it works. Yeah. And I mean, I think that like, very similarly to how um how we were talking about earlier with cabaret where it's that thing of like it's less that we are looking to show an internal struggle within sally Mm -hmm. like through this musical number it's more the fact that like kind of like what you were talking about, Carson, like each musical number is kind of born out of the the moment before it. Mm -hmm. Just kind of like if we cut to Sally very earnestly singing about how maybe her life is going to get better and like how maybe like this will be the thing, um, that's going to say a lot more about Sally than us doing a number where it's like, look at how crazy and deluded Sally, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, I think it's, I mean, I think, um, Liza sells the ever-loving shit out of it. I yeah. love the song. I think it's just a great fucking song. And I don't know. I have this. I I have this instinct. Like we've we've talked about it before. How like we've all had like various like uh, experiences with teaching, like yeah. at different levels and like in different ways. But like, um, when I I recently um was it Cyrano? It must have been Cyrano. Cyrano's weird. Um, but like. Whenever I watch a movie musical, whenever anybody just like has like a really, 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 really great moment of like really pure good singing, I kind mm-hmm. of pump my fist a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And like, and like I did that during Cyrano, and my partner kind of looked at me and was like, what's that? And I'm like, I'm like, it's just this weird reaction I still have from teaching. Yeah. Like I just remember like I would be, yeah. you know, I would be staging like a musical. Uh-huh. And like one of the kids would just nail that note that they've been working on. And it was yeah. just that moment. Like, yes. Like we got yes. it. And we did it. Yes. And so yeah. it's like, I, I still do that when I'm watching fucking Liza Minnelli do cabaret. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's just, it's just, there's this weird thing in me that when somebody opens their mouth and just like hits a fucking note or hits a fucking high mark in, in their song that just like, because I am somebody who has had experience trying to make that happen when it happens, even when it's professionals, it's like, nice, they nailed it. I'm like, she Hell nailed yeah. it. Like, she Hell nailed yeah. it. And um, I don't know, like, I don't have like too much more to say about it than that. Um, but I do just think that it is that thing of like, I think in a way that I don't think 
many contemporary productions of cabaret. I have a hot take about most contemporary productions of cabaret that what is I that? have um, seen and that I have even been in. And I think that um, I think that I uh, like the production of cabaret that I was in. I was a big fan of. I thought it was very good. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Um, I think that there is a Americans don't understand what fascism is problem yeah, with a lot yeah. of contemporary productions of cabaret. And I think what it boils down to is there's a Sally problem or I, I, I don't know if it's a Americans don't understand fascism problem. And so therefore the Sally archetype becomes a problem or people don't understand what Sally Bowles is necessarily. And therefore they miss kind of a lot of the meaning of the show. Yeah. But like a thing that I have, I've always had a problem with cabaret is so many contemporary productions that I've seen. I think I've seen like five, not even including the, um, cause you know, like, for better or for worse, uh, once Donald Trump got elected, a lot of places started doing cabaret again, yep. as they should, as I believe they should. Um, but like, I think that there is this problem that what a lot of people, how a lot of people frame cabaret is they're like, oh, you have Sally, who's this really amazing, plucky, go-getter, girl boss, like singer character, who's like this amazing, wonderful performer who everyone mm-hmm. loves and is so good. And um, And much like Germany, as it creeps closer to fascism, like her life falls apart. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like that's not the metaphor. That's not what that's not what the one two punch of maybe this time followed by cabaret is getting at. What it's getting at is like this shit has been a mess from the beginning. Yeah. From people are refusing to believe it. It's like like, I, I think Sally Bowles is a really fun role and I think that the way it is written and like the music requires a very traditionally talented ingenue type to play her and like Mm -hmm. yes she's got to be smarter like she's got to be like more tough as nails but it's like you have to be able to belt you have to be able to dance you have to be a triple threat like yeah and the thing that I think I think a lot of I think a lot of contemporary actors are especially in like younger regional productions um i think they are hesitant to kind of debase themselves to the degree that sally bowles needs to be debased yeah like i think a lot of people um they want it to be the story of of look at this incredible artist who never got the shot and watch how that ruins her life because Mm -hmm. i think that's how a lot of um a lot of uh contemporary regional theater actors that's how they feel yeah Uh um and i think that let's be real like the whole thing is sally's like oh i'm a dancer like i'm a singer like i'm a performer and it's like it's like honey you do do those things but it's like it's like you are a sex worker yeah and like it's awesome that you work in a place that allows you to sing and dance but like you are making your money you're not making your money no singing and dancing like you are not like that is not that is ostensibly what everybody is there for but like we all know what's yeah we all know what the cat club is yeah and which is fine like i love sex work like sex work fucking rules but like that whole thing is the the whole thing of cabaret is there is this girl named sally bulls uh and she never could admit to herself what was really happening until it was far too late. Yeah. And it is not, and cabaret is not her cabaret is not her saying, wow, this life rules cabaret is her like saying like, 
okay, I'm wise to it now. Yeah. And so yeah. I think with maybe this time, I think very similarly to what we were talking about with like Fosse chooses to do cabaret as this like really upbeat, mm-hmm. like really, like Corey was saying, optimistic performance surrounded by like surrounded by madness to mm-hmm. more show that like to more show the mental state that Sally would have to be yeah, in in order is, to think this way. That delusion is the only thing she can hold on to in the middle of all the fucking chaos. Yes. Yeah. And so, and it is less about like, let's show Sally who is having an emotional experience right now. Mm-hmm. And like, let's show what a person who was like a little, not totally with like coming to grips with reality. Let's show what she would be doing. Like, let's yeah. not show how she yeah. would be feeling. Let's show what she would be doing. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think it's very much the same with maybe this time. Like, I think it is like, you know, it is like, she's finally getting her moment and it's yes. this beautiful, like to her, it's this beautiful, beautiful thing. And, um, but to the audience of the Kit Kat Club, it is not nearly as interesting as the gorilla love song or the like, yes. you know, the, the crazy doll puppet women or the, you know, any yes. of that. Yeah. yeah. So that is, that is my take on maybe this time. I know that was very long and tangent. No, but... I, but that was, I, I agree with you. And I think I was coming, you know, now having thought about it for a couple of days, I think I was coming to a very similar take on it. Um, can we can we talk about the MC? Can we talk about Joel? Gray? Yeah, we have to. Academy Award to. winner Joel Gray, fucking, uh, um, so talented and so fucking scary. Um, I don't know. Again, much like Sally Bowles, I think we need to talk about sort of the metatextual, like wh- how is the MC played now? Because okay, so watch this movie midway through. A thing that I have mentioned before on this show that has happened a number of times, where my I'll be watching a movie and my roommate will come home. And she'll be like, what are you watching? And I'm like, you need to be quiet. I'm I'm very, <laughs> I'm very invested in this film, you know, but we, so then she kind of watches like the last you know, like hour or so with me and she gets to the end of it and it ends with, you know, the MC's face and then all the, all the like delirious images and then the Nazis and Nazis kind of, Ooh, again, a very scary collection of images of just the one Nazi, the two Nazis, the three, and they never quite, you never get a clear look at them, but you know that they're there. Very metaphorical. But the, and at the end, she's like, oh, I thought the MC was like Jewish. I thought that was like part of it. And I was like, no, not in this. And I thought, no, wait, but isn't that the thing that they do in the Alan Cumming version? Isn't that like the big so, add to the end of that version is they do the cut to him in the Holocaust so, uniform? They do, but I believe, and I, this might vary from production to production, and yeah. I'm not sure how they did it with Alan Cumming, but most of the time nowadays, it's a pink triangle. Yeah. yeah. Which, in the, like, yeah. In the final is, scene. Is more direct. Yeah. In the final and, like, scene. I, oh, go ahead, Corey. No, sorry. I just looked it up. Uh, in the final scene, the MC removes his outer clothes to reveal a striped uniform of the type worn by the internees in concentration camps. On it are penned a yellow badge identifying Jews, mm-hmm. red star uh, marking communists and socialists, and a pink triangle denoting homosexuals. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So this, I, I, and I think also just the discussion the MC grows to be kind of broader discussion Kit Kat Club generally, because it is, so the end scene in this film is almost always purely malevolent. Like he is a trickster God. He is like Dionysus. Like he, he is, you know, um, which I think that I actually think the Dionysus comparison is very apt because he is both like this vessel of like 
like gender non-conforming, degenerate, wild, fun times, and also like a malevolent force that brings about disorder and chaos in equal measure. And the two things are like both at odds, but also somewhat inextricably linked. And like the fact that this guy like gropes Sally Bowles, like lets Nazis into the club. Like he always, you never quite, he, he is both your like window into this world, but you always never feel like that dude's on your side or on Sally's side. And I, I feel like that is probably not necessarily the way that is played most of the time in the stage musical. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. they added in 97, I think they added the, I don't care much song or 87 Which revival. I don't care much is, is a added. song that slaps, but also gives the MC an amount of pathos that this movie does not really allow for. That, yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. 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 I do love that song a lot. But like, that's the thing is like this, it, it, it's striking to me just that like the Nazis are milling around the Kit Kat Club. And like yeah. the Kit Kat Club is full of sex workers and trans people and gay people and like the kind of folks that like, you know, once the Nazis take over, you know, they're they're gonna run roughshod over these people, but like the Nazis are engaging in the in, in the degeneracy with them. Like they're there for the show. And that is, it's a, it's a strange contradiction, but I do think that it's very telling about the fucking nature of fascism, especially in the early days, you know? Yeah. And like, yeah. yeah. And like, I don't want to, I don't know. It's, it's the whole, like, first they came for the Jews and I said nothing for, I was not a Jew or whatever, but like the MC does have a little bit of that energy, which is very explicitly. And I don't care much, but he's got a little bit of a, again, I think he's barely a person in this movie. He is way more like a God of chaos. Yes, you know, he's, yes. he's, you know, he's a force, not a God. Well, and I, I think that's true as well with a lot of the ways that um, the MC is done mm-hmm. because the MC is never a character in the stage show. Yeah. But the only time he even interacts um, like he interacts with the audience mm-hmm. and he introduces like he will interact with like the the dancers and like with Sally, like when they are doing numbers, but he's never not in a musical number. Yeah. yeah. So it is very much that thing of like, and again, like I say it all the time, like the ambiguity is the point. Yes. There's not a right yeah. answer, but it raises the question of like, is this guy even here? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> is this guy real? Is this yeah. part of it? Like, yeah. Is this is like is his existence on the stage purely metaphorical because he only exists in the weird, um, like in the weird dream spaces of the musical numbers? Yeah. Like, is is he actually an employee at the club or is he just like kind of a manifestation? Which is, I think, how a lot of contemporary productions do it. Is is it's like he's just kind of a reflection of like what's going on at the time, which is mm-hmm. why you get I don't care much because mm-hmm. it is just that thing of like look, everything's fucking shit. And like, my life's going down the dupe too, but like, I don't really know anything different. And like, I can't really stand up to these guys. So fuck it, whatever. Like, yeah, let's enjoy like, a while it lasts, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. and it is just that thing of like, I think a lot of times he is, uh, the MC is portrayed more as just like a cipher or a mirror mm-hmm. to like what is going on around them. Yeah. Um. But then like shown through the lens of like, how a piece of musical theater operates yeah yeah and it's it 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 speaks to the thing we keep talking about of like the kind of strange way the music in this movie is all diegetic but it doesn't feel like it like the fact that there is a character who only exists like is both like 
you could imagine a version of this movie where Sally has a conversation with Brian outside the Kit Clack Club where she says something about like, oh, and the MC said a thing or did a thing. Right, but right. Like, and that doesn't, know, yeah. That makes logical sense, but it doesn't feel right because the MC only exists within, you know, these musical sequences, like you said, Caroline. But like, and that combined with the way that fucking Fosse shoots the club, the fact that like, you never really get a good sense of like, of space anytime you're in the club you're like there's the stage and there's the audience and like there's the booths over there but like i don't i can't really in my brain put together how they all fit like it feels like the stage always feels like a dream and like it doesn't quite exist even in the club you know we, we should we should have i think in modern bars landline telephones that just connect you to another landline telephone correct in the bar i think that'd be really cool we got to bring that back. I, Carson, be the change you want to see in the world, baby. You know, I'm going to bring a landline. I'm going to bring two landline telephones to my local dive bar and put like one on the far end of the bar and one in a random ass booth in the corner and be like, they only talk to each other. Uh, uh, um, and, our, and our revival starring you two will have functioning mm-hmm. landlines on the uh, cabaret tables. Yeah. That are so Carson, do you want to be, do you want to be Cliff or Sally? Do we trade every night? The, I think I, that's the thing I was thinking. I was like, look, the only way you can do this, the only way that like I fit in this fucking musical is like, I gotta be fucking, you gotta cast me as Sally. You gotta put me in like, you gotta cast me way against tight, make me one of the women. Like, absolutely. (laughs) Like, that's the way it works. Because also, especially now watching, having the Brian version of the character in my head, I fucking don't give a shit about Cliff Bradshaw. I'm like, I don't care about you, dude. You only exist to be an audience surrogate. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's cabaret. Yeah, that's cabaret. We could talk about this thing forever, and we, we could. We really, stop. really could. Yeah, probably yeah. stop. Okay, I'll, one more question. What's your favorite song? It's a tough in one. this, yeah, in this it's, version it's, of it, it's got to be cabaret for me. Mm. It's just, mm. it's got to be like, yeah, easy answer, shitty answer, but it's either that or tomorrow belongs to me. No. <laughs> Whoa, wait, this is another. I'm sorry, this is another point I wanted to make. Do y'all okay? Have y'all ever heard the song Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue? This is my last point about this. Oh my God, yes. That after watching the Tomorrow Belongs to Me scene, it was the only thing I could think about because I talk about this. I don't know if I've gone on my spiel with this with you before, Caroline, but I've definitely, I talk about this song all the time. Toby Keith's song, Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue, for audience members who do not know it. Parentheses, it is a white American nationalist song. anthem. It's, it is a explicitly jingoistic white nationalist anthem that borders and sometimes dips into straight fascism. Um, it is also, uh, how the kids say, total fucking bop. Like, it really, <laughs> really slaps. Like, it's it's uh, like it's a song. It's the Toby Keith like, problem. It's what the Toby happens Keith when you're, problem. What happens when your fascism kind of bops? Yeah, it's the, <laughs> or when you're like weird misogyny kind of bops like that's toby keith's whole thing is making like songs that i'm like good song hate it i hate it but it's a good song but like it is the exact same song as tomorrow belongs to me because like man tomorrow belongs to me real good tune really sounds nice easy to sing like and that's i think very explicitly the point making that song is like yeah this is definitely the kind of thing that everybody could sing along to at some weird barbecue and then you don't you don't realize you're doing Nazi shit until like by the end you get, wait a second, are we the baddies? Like, did we just do a Nazism? Yeah. I yeah. could be wrong, but I believe that 
um, either at a Trump rally or some other far right thing they were playing tomorrow belongs to me. You know, makes it's it's too obvious. That's the thing about the universe sometimes is that it's too obvious. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, fucking terrifying yet wholly unsurprising. Yeah. yeah. Oh, are you? I'm sorry. Are you describing uh, the last ten years of life in America, Caroline? Yes. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, that's it. Cabaret is a very good movie. Very good movie. I. Yeah. I don't know. I'm. I'm sad now. Yeah. Oh. What hey. a downer. Wait, wait Carson. Hey. What's your favorite song? We'll, we'll oh. That. Oh. Um. Mentally, like in my mind, I'm like, oh, Cabaret, that's the one that like is the best song and the most well utilized in the film. But in terms of the one that I keep singing as I'm walking around the past couple of days, it is the money song. That thing is very good. Love money. Money, 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 yeah. money. It's and, mine oh, hair for me, but I, I do also. Mine hair also. Oh, rules. fuck. How mine can I hair, figure out mine, mine hair? Mine hair also yeah. fucking rules. That's the thing. Watch this. Like, did I miss Don't Tell Mama? Yeah. Like, I, you don't, again, you put that song in the musical, it is totally you know, it, it's a it's an unnecessary appendage to what this movie is, but I did miss that song a little bit because it pops. Here's the thing: so many of the songs in Cabaret, good fucking songs, just great like, songs. Absolutely, Nev, good guys. <sighs> yeah, really good. Um, all right. Well, thank you for uh, making me watch this incredibly difficult, weird, wonderful film, Caroline. Thank you. You're very welcome. Yeah. Um, you want to hear something really fucking crazy about Cabaret? Oh, what's that? Um, Please. So it's year at the Oscars. It is a hmm. 1972 film up for Oscars in 1973. Um, it won the most awards that uh, that year. It won eight. Mm-hmm. Um, although it did not win Best Picture. You know what beat mm-hmm. it out for Best Picture? Oh, God, what? The Godfather. Oh, okay. So this film beat The Godfather in like every, in just about every category. They were, I think it beat it in every category. They were up against each other, except for picture. Tag yourself with the Oscars, Godfather, BF, Cabaret, GF. (laughs) (laughs) The Godfather and Cabaret don't hate each other. They're girlfriends. Yes, exactly. (laughs) They're dating. Uh, Uh, That's funny. Well, uh, Corey, do you want to tell the fine folks at home? the last bastions of liberal democracy uh, I would... about <laughs> where they can find the show online. Hey guys, uh, nothing... want to fight fascism? Hey guys. Be a communist. Oh, wait, I'm so sorry. One more moment. A thing that like made me laugh, it, it like laughed so hard that I almost cried and then like made me so sad that I almost cried immediately was the, Brian is like having the emotional freak out after talking to Sally and he goes down, he sees the Nazis on the street. They give him the paper. He's like, your paper's stupid. You guys are stupid. You're dumb fucking flag. You're a bunch of idiots. You're a bunch of damn fascists. I don't like you. You need to stop. And he like rips down the flag and I put my hands up and go, yeah, get him, man. And then it just cuts to him in bed. It's all fucked up. And I was like, oh no. Like it's like, it's, it's, it's both a scene that I'm like, God, the cut is so funny, but it's also, it hurts so much. Cause you're like, yeah, yeah, of course he got his ass kicked by the Nazis. Of course. Like, oh God, sorry. Can you stop it. We need to stop talking about this movie. We can go forever. Keep like going. much of Cabaret. It's hilarious, but also yes. hurts, oh, hurts so on sad. a deep level. Yeah. Um, if you like what you hear, please be sure to like us and subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts. Leaving a review also really helps out the visibility of the show. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hhynspod. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Uh, and TikTok. How could I forget TikTok? Mm. At hhynspod. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. 
A uh, special thank you to our patrons. If you'd like a shout out on the show and bonus content, head over to patreon.com slash hhynspod. We have multiple levels, all with their own perks. Like I said, if you're interested in hearing more, head over to patreon.com slash hhynspod. Hell yeah. And this is my favorite segment of the show, which yeah. is um, which is I brought this week's film, so I don't have to know what we're doing next ah, week. So I somebody believe, else has to pull up this. I believe sheet. I know. Let me check and make absolutely. Oh, is next sure. week our very, very, very special episode? Uh no, I don't think so. Wait, let me okay, look. cool. Okay, here, let me look. Uh, uh, wink uh, wink. Uh, uh, uh. No, yeah, no, I know what it is. Okay, uh, Caroline, ask me the ask me the question. What, what is it? What's the movie? What's Tell the movie? me the movie. All um, that stay then. That's no, it should as it should. Um, uh, it's jazz, so, baby. It's not the movies you don't watch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so next week we are going to be watching the um, dark comedy Election. Oh, uh, Reese Witherspoon, Matthew Broderick. Uh, let's. Hey, I'm gonna. Hey, I'm gonna put up a challenge for next week. Here's a challenge. Challenge is we're not going to talk about fascism next week. <laughs> we're gonna, um, we're I don't keep... know that we're going to be able to do that. No promises, but we're gonna we're gonna try. <laughs> that is I a did, steep challenge. I did the exact cool. same thing on Patreon one time where I'm like, challenge, we can't talk about Spider Man. <laughs> Cut to challenge, we can't talk about. If if there are two things in my mind that it, that exist in total opposite regions of my brain in terms of like how much I like them, Spider Man fascism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would say i would uh, say between the two of us those are probably the two topics of conversation and it's like that just that, that just we're talking about anything and we can weirdly relate it back to one of those if not are, both of those are those topics. the two main like the middle of the venn diagram where our friendship lives caroline is it loves spider-man hates fascism yes it's like it's, it's it's the it's the it's the hand it's the two hand like the predator yes, yes, big the handshake meme. it's like hating fascism loving spider-man caroline and carson's yeah, friendship uh-huh. yep there it is uh, all right well we'll see you next week when we talk election <laughs>